everyone and welcome to the latest episode of BAM Weekly, that's Boris and Matt Weekly, where we talk about all things sports, all things entertainment, all things wrestling, we're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I'm joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris, getting chilly in Toronto, starting to look like Christmas, starting to feel like the snow might be here to stay. Uh... Lots to talk about today, though, homie. Oh, we have so much to get through. On the sports side, we're going to be chatting about the MLS Cup. It is this weekend. Also, this weekend is the Grey Cup here in Canada. A whole 10 people are going to be watching that. But, you know, (laughs) I think I need to be a little more fair. And we're going to be chatting about that specific topic soon. Uh, we have some TV shows we're going to be talking about. Then on the wrestling side, we're going to be focusing on a couple reviews because there were not Uno, but those pay-per-views last weekend. There was NWA Hard Times 2, and then there was Triple A, the Triple Mania Regia, which saw some interesting matches. And it essentially was everything you would expect out of a Mexican wrestling pay-per-view. But we're going to be chatting about that a little later. And then, as we head to ROH's final battle this weekend, we're going to preview ROH final battle and the ever-evolving crowd uh, card because this company honestly cannot buy a break right now. But we're going to be chatting about that at the very end of the show. Matt, how's everything going? Oh, it's going pretty well, man. Like I said, like it's getting cold in Toronto, which makes you want to stay in more. But, you know, uh, it's important to still get out there, try to have a social life, trying to stay on that Tinder game. Although I have no interesting uh, or entertaining or embarrassing news to report on that front, unfortunately. But, yeah, man, just hanging in there, just trying to make it through this 2021. Uh, How are you feeling, big homie? How's the old how's the old wing? It's hurting like a mofo right now. Um, but yeah, no, it's just been a crazy week. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I've been so busy. Um, I think I've, I haven't podcasted this much in, in quite a long time. Done the nerd show. It's Canon podcast. Uh, did NXT talk on Sunday night, Monday morning. We did the aftercast for war games. Uh, we've done, uh, yesterday I did the dynamite review with uh, the mouth. Then today we're doing this. It's been a very crazy week. It's been a fun week, but a pretty crazy week because I've had a lot of stuff in between. Um, even had to show up to a couple meetings for work. So that was a fun thing while I'm off. But uh, yeah, no, it's just been super busy. And just like you, honestly, at this point, counting down the days till the end of 2021. I think there's like 21. 22 days left um and i just can't it's just one of those things um yeah just it just can't get and can't get done any faster uh but aside from that honestly it just it's it's going uh don't don't really have too many fun stories haven't really had much of a social life the past few days um but the hope is that that can change uh tonight but we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see how busy <laughs> things are after we record Telling you right now, right after record, I'm going to go to sleep. That I need. Yes, man, absolutely. As a human being, you need your rest, Boris. But yeah, you're you're something of a Michael Jordan. You uh, operate well on three, four hours of sleep a night. And uh, you put up shots, homie. But uh, yeah, so get get your rest today after this. Put your feet up here. We'll have a fun little 
podcast, you know, fun informal chat between buddies, and then get some damn rest, homie. Oh yeah, exactly. And and then you know, it's it's, it's I kind of love the format of this show to be hundred percent honest. And it's it's just like like I think you said it best. It's just a chat between two friends because that's that's honestly how, what I like about the Bam Show. Like NXT Talk is NXT Talk. We're reviewing. A wrestling show there's only so much that we can do there's only so many different things we can do um to to keep that show you know the, to keep that train chugging along um but yeah we have you know we can we can vary here on bam just like i always say too though you know if there's anything people want us to focus more on we are all ears we're just assuming through comments through conversations that you know what we're covering is what people want us to cover um but uh yeah without uh you know feedback sometimes it's uh, pretty hard, um, but uh, yeah, it's just um, you know we we do have quite a bit on the docket, um, and you know I think overall we have a ton coming up. Uh, we have you know some some uh, lists to list. Uh, we even have a reject list to talk about yeah. um, when we're talking about our top. 121 matches and i believe we're also going to do a little something else with some of the cuts that you've had to make um so over the next few weeks you're going to be listening to not only our regular bam shows um but you know we're going to be inserting some special episodes covering some of these lists uh and yeah you know it's it's it's, it's we're trying to make you know with with christmas being two weeks I think, you know, we're also trying to take a little, you know, downtime from the hectic schedule. Because I don't know about you, Matt, but, like, sometimes, and I'm not, this isn't a complaint, and this isn't, a, like, a bad thing. Um, especially considering, like, you know, how little I sleep, so I need something to watch sometimes. Uh, but, you know, you know, it's watching the sheer amount of wrestling that we do sometimes can be a little overwhelming and tiring. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, 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 it can get, yeah, it can get much. Like, for example, part of the reason why we didn't record yesterday this episode was because I hadn't watched AAA yet, and I did want to watch it and review it and give it my full time and full attention span. And uh, yeah, it's just really hard to set aside four hours, day after day, night after night. You know, so it it can be a lot, man. It is. Uh, but again, no complaining. It, it is what it is. And, some, and that's why there's two of us. You know, sometimes we're going to miss the odd show here and there and we're going to cover for each other. But uh, yeah, man, I don't know. We have 20 wrestling matches over those two pay-per-views, NWA Hard Times 2 and uh, Triple Mania Regia 2. Uh, don't, I'll, I'll leave uh, more, most of the Spanish pronunciations to Boris. Don't worry. But uh, yeah, I, we have lots to discuss. Uh, wrestling and sports. And I also want to talk about two of my favorite TV shows making their presence known in the last couple uh, weeks. So do you no. want to start with the entertainment portion? Let's, As always, let's start with the entertainment portion. I think that's a nice little segue that you set up there, you see. Now now that you have told people, you've given them a little taste of something, now you can you know, take the baton and run with it. Yes, so uh, my favorite thing in all of entertainment, Boris, is a self-made man. I think if I'm, when and if I ever break into any business, it's going to be self-made kind of thing. I'm not going to have much help through agents and such. Anyway, so uh, this, the stories of Matt Stone and Trey Parker, and also the Always Sunny Boys, uh, Glenn Howerton, Charlie Day, and Rob McElhaney, just really, really appeal to me. And I love Always Sunny. I love South Park. I've loved them both since I saw them first. I was right on board with South Park as a kid, like when it first started and both of those shows have come back in the last couple of weeks. And uh, 
you know, I always sunny is kind of in a weird place. I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure they've been going for 15 years, which is literally the longest live action sitcom of all time. I believe. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous how long that show has been going. I, I, I think about it and it's like, oh yeah, you're right. It has been going that long. We are in 2021, not 2011. Exactly, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, so Sonny's Sonny's kind of maybe hitting a little bit of a wall, but those guys are putting out a podcast now, which is actually incredible. I'm enjoying the podcast more than I'm enjoying the, the new season. But uh, also the new South Park special came out and I really enjoyed that. So if you don't know about South Park's current situation, uh, Trey and Matt have signed with Paramount Plus to produce, I believe, 15 like movie length specials as basically a full self-contained season. And uh, yeah, they've already done, I think, three. And uh, it, it, I really enjoyed the the latest one. I don't even want to get into too much detail in case people haven't seen it and they care about spoilers and stuff. But uh, I have some fan theories. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've, I've heard very interesting things about uh, about the South, the first South Park special. Um, I honestly tried watching it. Um, it just, uh, I started it twice and it's not that it wasn't good or anything. It was just like something always came up um, and it became one of those things that every time the both times I started it, it was for the same thing and I'm like, ooh, that's a bad omen so I kind of let it go. Um, and yeah, I actually forgot to even tell you that. It's like both times I started, something very bad <laughs> happened. It was like, oh, 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 oh. oh no. My, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of funny, All right, but, well, yeah. but yeah, maybe the gods, the gods are telling you to avoid it. But yeah, the, the, the conceit of this person of this, uh, most recent special is that, uh, everyone's 40 years in the future and, uh, COVID is still raging on. And yeah, it just, it's pretty funny. It, I, it's definitely worth a watch. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's just good to see these, uh, these guys still getting at bats, although it's kind of funny, 20, 30 years after they started these endeavors, they're still slugging away at these endeavors. You know, like Trey and Matt have done so much Book of Mormon, all their movies. They've made millions of dollars. I bet they're both worth like, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars easily. Right. But they're still slugging away at South Park, man. You got to respect that. You got to love it. Yeah, you know, that's how we're going to be with NXT talk, except we're going to be, you know, having to review vintage episodes because by that point, it'll be like 10 years since it's been canceled. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it'll be canceled this summer and we'll be moving <laughs> to vintage by fall. Oh, man. But you know what? Honestly, like, you know, I just like you, I was I caught South Park right at the start. I was at that age where it was just like, you know, I thought it was the funniest shit ever. I still think it's the funniest shit ever half the time. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and and. I've always had respect for Trey Parker and Matt Stone, um, but did you have you ever seen the documentary Six Days to Air? Yeah, that's awesome. And it's talking about one of their weirdest, weakest episodes, too. I almost wish it was about a better episode, but that's fine. It doesn't really matter. But, like, I love that documentary. It's very fascinating. Uh, it's a look inside the process of a South Park episode and how it's made in six days. And, yeah, it, it, it's really intense. It's a lot of fun to watch. Exactly. It, and it's just like you see the creative process and, you know, you just can't help but admire what these people do, the hours that they put in and the fact that, you know, the, they recognize what keeps South Park hot, what keeps South Park good and entertaining is the fact that it it, it is so relevant, right? Um, and that's why 
this schedule, this insane schedule that they have of being able to turn around an episode from concept to air in six days. It's just so fascinating. So if yeah. you haven't seen it, go. You can find it on on YouTube. Um, it's called Six Days to Air. It's uh, about the making of an episode of South Park, and like you said, it might not be the funniest episode um, that they're focusing on, but and and it might be one of the weirdest ones. Um, but it, it it's still a fascinating watch, regardless. Absolutely, and it gives you a respect for almost the like Saturday Night Live kind of feel it has. Like they're putting out a show no matter what. And it's like it's kind of like baseball, you know. You're taking it at bat. You got to hit the pitch that comes, and it, it, that's it. Like, yeah, it, it's it's a moment of it's almost like it's almost sports like. It's a, just a moment of you have to perform at this time, and if you don't, you know what I mean. Like that's that, but that's part of the energy. That's part of the the entire vibe of it, and it definitely gives you a newfound respect for South Park, even if it's not like I said the strongest episode. It, it gives you a newfound respect for what these guys do, and it's also very interesting because with these specials, it's very very different these specials they're taking a long time to craft a huge 15 part movie arc basically yeah. so it's a, an entirely new thing for south park and they have tried to like serialize things more in recent years but this is this is a different beast even from that this is like from the ground up it's going to be a wide like a puzzle you know what i mean like 15 different movies and stuff. i'm very excited to see how it turns out and i think it's off to a really good start Right. So you so so where can people watch this here in Canada or in the States? Now Paramount Plus, I believe, is where you can legally go, Boris, to watch these uh these episodes. They were on Crave, unfortunately, the and uh in Canada, but they're no longer on Crave. The specials aren't. The first twenty three seasons of the television show are still on Crave in Canada, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, 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 you know, I talk about this all the time on the It's Canon podcast about like, you know, uh, distribution rights and, and that sort of stuff and content. And it's just it's crazy, um, especially here in Canada, because in the States, it seems like every major network, every major media company has their own streaming service now. Um, and that's that just opened up Pandora's box. Right. Um, to the point where now people are back to pirating because. There's just so much. When there was only one or two, people would buy those one or two, and everything was hunky-dory, everything was fascinating, everything was good, everyone was happy, but now that there's like a thousand and one, you know, people are left to make certain decisions, and with every streaming service having, you know, exclusive content, you're really kind of leaving a lot of money on the table, in my opinion, Um, so, you know, you've been seeing this resurgence of, of piracy. And then you think about, you know, international distribution. Oh, that's a whole other can of worms. You know, then you get these weird situations where like in uh, you have the TV show Snowpiercer based off of the Chris Evans movie based off of the French comic book from the late 80s um, where, you know, it's 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 a show on TNT. But here in Canada, it's a weekly show on Netflix. I believe The Flash is the same. Riverdale is the same um, because, you know, we don't have the CW up here. So, yeah, it's just a whole other can of worms when you think about that stuff. Anyways, now I'm just veering off into into God knows what uh, into stuff that a lot of people don't care about. But if you do care about it, go to the It's Canon podcast uh, hey. <laughs> show and uh, yeah, subscribe. Have a listen. We talk about this sort of stuff all the time. Well done, buddy. Well done. You got to work in the plug. No, it's all good, man. That's entertainment talk. We're figuring it out.
Yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk some sports because this weekend we have not one but two major league finals. Let that sink in, Matt. We have two major <laughs> league finals. However, in a manner of speaking. In a manner. You like, could, but you could that's argue, you that's could the argue thing that. right there. That's the language right there that I want to talk about because I'm by far the most guilty about this, even when it comes to the MLS. Don't, don't, don't. I might love TFC. I might be a huge TFC supporter. I might have been the president of the Red Patch Boys, the biggest supporter group for TFC. But don't don't go, you know, you know, I still recognize the fact that MLS isn't the show. Right. Um, and, and it's kind of funny because we had talked about this um, and how fickle, especially Toronto sports fans are, um, you know, and, and I think where you really see this is in, you know, we have the Marlies who you can count how many people show up to a game. You can attest to this. You were recently yes. there, um, you know. But but you go, you you know, you walk down the the highway a little bit, and the the Scotia Bank Arena, ACC as it was called before, um, it, it's it's you know it's sold out for weeks already because that's the show, right? Now there's another team, and we're going to talk about the CFL first. Uh, you know, the Toronto Argonauts, I think they've always suffered from this. Um, and that's that people in Toronto haven't, and I can't believe I just said it like a foreigner, Toronto, Toronto, uh, <laughs> don't give a crap about the team simply because it's not the major league. It's not the NFL. What's interesting about that though, is that like, uh, you know, you leave Toronto, you leave the pocket of the GTA and people love the CFL. Like to me, it's 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 fascinating. Even going down to QEW, going to Hamilton, a eh? and uh, and and people just absolutely love the CFL. Like it's crazy. I even have a I had a friend last weekend on Saturday, and she was like, "Are you watching the game tomorrow?" I'm like thinking in my head, "What the f are you talking about? Like there's no <laughs> game tomorrow. What what game are you talking about?" And she's like. Oh, it's the Argos Tie Cats Eastern Finals. I'm like, that's not a game. That's not people. People aren't watching that. But then, you know, again, like I, I have people, even on my social media, where they just love the Tie Cats. Like they, they just, they, they just love the CFL, right? And and it's kind of funny. Like it's just, I, I, I keep, you know, forgetting. And I'm in this, you know, downtown bubble now. Um, you know, living downtown for the past 15 years or so. And it's just like, oh man, yeah. Like, like people actually care about this league. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and it is major. Um, and it's just like unfortunate though that like the Argonauts don't get the respect they deserve because let's just remember, you know, the CFL was the league to play in for the longest time. It wasn't until the NFL AFL merger really where, where the, the, the powerhouse that became the NFL, especially when the CBA started, the powerhouse that became the NFL really took over as the league to be in. Before that, it was the CFL. You would play your football in Canada. And that's where you wanted to be. But, you know, over time, the NFL just completely overtook them, completely overshadowed them. The CFL made some horrible decisions, you know, like going to the States. Um... And 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 it just the overall, I'm just gonna say it, lack of respect 
that Toronto has to the CFL that's really hurt it, right? Um, so it, it just it falls in this weird situation because when we look at the TV ratings from this past weekend, Matt, you know you know exactly where I'm going with this. So you, you know I can't even like surprise you or shock you. But let's go through the December fifth TV ratings. The CFL Western Final had a Canadian rating of 1.34 million on TSN. That's humongous for Canada. There are only 33 million people in the country. 35. How many people are in Canada these Let's days? Let's just say 35 to to really round it up. Right. So that's a pretty gigantic, substantial number. To, so, the, yeah, people do care about the CFL. Now, I bet if you broke that down for Toronto markets, it would be shockingly low because people in Toronto don't care about the CFL. And unfortunately, Boris, we are people in Toronto. So yep. <laughs> that's going to be our perspective by and large. But you, you know what? I have a lot of friends from Saskatchewan, love the CFL, diehard Rough Rider fans. Uh, I I know a lot of like older people. I actually went through like a phase when I was a kid where I watched the CFL for a couple years. And I just can't get past the three down thing, man. It just, to me, and I don't mean to offend anybody, it just, to me, it's an inferior watch. It's just an inferior television product. I'm not saying it's an inferior brand of football. I'm just saying to me, it's it's not as good on television, so yeah, it just it just rough. I wish they kept everything the same, kept kept like the bigger field and the bigger ball and and all the unique quirks of the Canadian game, but just made it four downs. Just make it four downs, please. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, and that, that that's for sure something that that really hurts it in my opinion. It's not, it doesn't make for very entertaining TV sometimes, right? Um, so yeah, going back to the to the ratings. So number one was the CFL Western Final, one point three four six million on TSN. Number three was the CFL Eastern Final, and that was eight forty six k. Now it's kind of funny if you if you do the comparison there, you know, and you start thinking about it, who played in the CFL Eastern Final? Toronto and Hamilton. So while Toronto was watching other stuff, they were watching probably the number two sport, um, well, or even a replay of that. Uh, you know, it just it just goes to show you, like, you know, as soon as Toronto shows up, boom, ratings are just gonna dip because people in Toronto don't give a shit about the CFL, <laughs> um, and it's unfortunate. You know, this isn't like you said, it's not an inferior product. This isn't the NWA we're talking about, right? This isn't having to watch Hard Times too and 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 debate your existence. Um, you know, it's it's it just it, I I it, I don't know what it it's just very tough. My my thesis in this, you know, we need to be a little lighter on the CFL. I think it deserves a lot more respect than it gets. The history is there. It's not commercialized to the point that the NFL is. Um, you know, there, there's so much to enjoy and respect about the CFL. You know, there's something to be said about it's Canadiana. And I wish they kind of leaned on that a little more, right? Like, it's kind of funny that Tim Hortons, a company that has no roots in Canada anymore, is still seen as the Canadian brand, but yet we can't make the CFL, you know, very raw, raw Canadiana, a, eh? or I should say AA Canadian, a, eh? um, <laughs> You know, so, yeah, so what I'm trying to say is, like, let's ease up on the CFL. They have their final this weekend. It's a rematch from the final two years ago, which was, like, last final. It's going to be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers versus the Hamilton Ticats, and the game is going to be played in a very cold Hamilton-Tim Hortons field. 
Yes, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, December 12th, Boris. I'll be watching, you know, at least flipping around. But uh, you got to put you got to put the Grey Cup in the rotation if you're Canadian. And yeah, man, it's like you said, like it does. The league has been around for 100 plus years. It does deserve our respect. Ricky Williams, Raga Bishmail, all these stars have been in and out of the Argonauts specifically. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I, the CFL is what it is. But boy, three down football. Uh, I just wish I just wish it kept everything else, but just added another down. Just throw another down in there. And the unfortunate the unfortunate part, the biggest unfortunate part and the biggest like uh, takeaway for me is that if something were to happen to Toronto, the league would really be in trouble. Like if the Argonauts were to fold, the league would really be in a lot of trouble. And that's the unfortunate part that. And the team that the home crowd cares about the least in general, you know, I'm not saying that there are no fans. I know some hardcore Argonaut fans, some hardcore fans who have stuck around this team from, you know, not even really having a home to, uh, you know, the sky where they were essentially just given the field to BMO field now, you know, the, the season ticket holders who are diehard Argo fans. But the city in general just doesn't get behind this team. This, even even the, the local sports, man, they just shit on the team. It's just so crazy. And it's just sad that if something were to happen to the Argonauts, the entire CFL would suffer. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And that's probably why they stick around despite the crowds being dwindling and uh, the, the success of the team largely being non-existent. Yeah. Although it, they made it to the East Final this year. Exactly, and that that's hey hey sure why you know what the Argos are a weird team, they win it once every few years. This is they manage to have a good decent team, um and and they win it. But yeah, that's uh that's that's basically what I wanted to talk about. I think that's the most airtime the CFL has gotten on a podcast in a very long time. <laughs> CFL still hanging in there. Uh, do you want to do a, a, a quick, a quick two to three minutes on the MLS Cup? Tell us what we need to know about Portland versus New York. Yeah, it's Portland versus New York, Providence Park in Portland, three p.m. Eastern on ABC on TSN. Go watch it; it's the finals. Um, what else can I say? Right? It's 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 you have a game, and 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 you know I'm super happy for the Portland supporters. One of the one of the best and and most. Um, passionate group of supporters that you're going to find in any North American sport, and I'm and I'm even lumping college sports when I say that the the Portland Timbers have the this amazing, 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 amazing supporter groups, um, and, and and they're so well organized. They're a corporation. They're essentially a company in the way that they function but it's all grassroots they work with the club not for the club they work with the club and that's how they're able to pull off some of the displays that they do and stuff like that like one day we should you know i should bring phil on and we can talk about our days as the as the uh president vice president of the red patch boys because it's just the whole fascinating thing of how that relationship works um you know we're not paid by the club it's all still grassroots and 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 sometimes we have to fight them to get heard sometimes we have to have disagreements sometimes you literally have to walk in to the mlse office and say hey we're gonna protest the shit out of you in a few days what have you 
<laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, so the Portland Timbers, I'm just so happy for them. And then you have the New York City FC supporters or lack thereof somehow in a day and age where one of the requirements for you to have a team in the MLS is to have at least a plan for a home field. But no, they're still playing at Yankee Stadium. No plans for their own field. Um, they are partially owned by Manchester City. That gives me extra reason to loathe the team and their fan base. I'm sorry if anyone listening is a fan of theirs because, you should, you know, that I'm sorry. Um, but their fans, and I'm not even calling them supporters, their fans are just absolutely insufferable. Kind of like oof, the Man City supporters. Uh, big, big bombs being dropped by Boris. FUs to, to NY City football. Hey, man, uh... That's uh, far more aggressive than a take that I was expecting to hear. But, uh, <laughs> hey, you've got to feel your feelings, buddy. Hey. So uh, who are you predicting in the win? I'm going to guess Portland. You know, that's who I want to win. Um, but, you know, just like I just like I predicted, uh, um, Johnny Gargano is going to stay in WWE NXT. I, just, I firmly do believe that uh, New York City FC is going to win that game. But uh, I'm just really, oh, my God, I, I'd cry. I'm just, just going to avoid all, all soccer interaction uh, for a few days, if that's the case, if that's what ends up happening. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it will, you know, go Portland. You know, I have tons of friends out in Portland through the supporter groups. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for them. Uh, here's a fun little fact. Um, they have played 1,010 professional games in all their incarnations in any league they've played. And this is the first time they've hosted finals wow that's absolutely huge good for the city of portland and you know what dame dash damian lillard might be leaving the basketball team this year so portland needs this w i hope for the city and for the franchise they do get it and uh i'll join you on the fuck new york city uh train why not love it all right let's move on to some NFL because uh, we've had another dude this season has just been absolutely bonkers Oh, it's been uh, it's been weird and it's been a lot of fun. And uh, man, the playoff uh, picture is rounding into form. But I'm I'm actually surprised by yesterday's result. The Steelers kind of cr- got cranked by the Vikings. The uh, the score finished 38, sorry, 36 to 28 Minnesota. But man, it was way it, it appeared to not be that close. You know, it's not as close as the score would indicate. But it also was closer than the score indicated because you know if the game was even five minutes longer, I'm telling you, the Steelers could have caught up. Like, I don't know what the Vikings were doing. Did they, like, did they think they were facing the Detroit Lions again? Like, they just fell apart at the end of the game. (laughs) Yeah, they really can't close a game out. The the Vikings are not inspiring a lot of confidence. But there are a couple of interesting games near the end of the schedule uh, this week here. We got the Bills playing the Buccaneers, 425 p.m. Eastern. Circle in that one, Boris. Both of those teams kind of need that. Uh, the Buccaneers currently in third in the NFC. They want to vault into first, and they want to keep that uh, keep that buy in the first round. And Buffalo just hanging on to a playoff spot with their dear lives at this point. So that's a very interesting game. You know, Tampa Bay is gonna gonna have a lot in store for Buffalo. Tom Brady has hated the Bills his entire career. Uh, Monday nighter this uh, this week is awesome too. Rams at Cardinals, humongous game. Yep. Uh, Bears at Packers is also going to be a great game because, uh, you know, just the hate 
that these two cities have for each other is unreal and I love every second of it anytime that a Chicago team has to go anywhere near Green Bay or, yeah, or, any, or, or Milwaukee like anytime that they have to cross that border <laughs> exactly yeah that's your Sunday nighter right there Bears at Packers humongous rivalry the oldest rivalry in sports they say don't know if that's accurate but that's what they say and uh yeah it's always a uh, always an entertaining watch there's also a Cowboys Washington game another long-standing rivalry Ravens Browns interesting entertaining game lots of divisional matchups this week in football as we uh chug along to the final uh to the final push here for us yeah, and uh, you know, uh, you know, shout out to the Dolphins, huge winning streak, putting off a respectable record at least at the end of the year. Um, they have a bye, and it's just so weird how late this bye is. But it's just because you know, adding that extra week just throws the entire schedule for a loop. Yeah, man. Uh, but you know, it's it's needed right now. I wish it would have come a little sooner, but thank God they're getting a rest at this moment. They really needed it. And uh, yeah, Miami six and seven quietly. They're not that far be- behind Buffalo at seven and five, but there are a lot of teams to jump. Miami's actually currently slotted thirteenth in the AFC out of sixteen teams, so they're probably not making the playoffs. It, re- it would require a miracle, Boris. Oh yeah, it would require something. It would require not even Dan Marino. Uh, and it's, I was going to say, Dan Marino right now is better than most options we have. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not making it. I don't think Tua is, I think no, Tua is no, better no. than Tua Dan is fine. Marino no, right Tua, <laughs> Dude, he's the reason why we even have somewhat of a respectable record right now. Like, let's 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 give credit to where credit is due. Like, you know, he's had a really he's had a rough season. You know, he's gotten beaten up. His O-line has abandoned him. Um you know, like where he's entering Kirk Cousins levels of just getting his ass kicked week in and week out. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't blame him at all. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the franchise is just, it's just in shambles. Like they just don't know what they're doing. The fact that they were ready to replace the poor guy within weeks of his career just, you know, goes to show you their train of thought. Um, you know, this is a team that has constantly tried to rebuild, but they keep somehow rebuilding in the wrong positions yeah exactly right but i do think it's going to be the end for Tua. i don't think he can do enough this uh, unless he makes the playoffs and even then because they're not going to win the super bowl so i i don't think there's any way that tua is the miami quarterback next year i think they're going to trade him and it's going to be i'm hoping aaron Rodgers, but i'm thinking deshaun watson yeah yeah, unfortunately, I agree with you there. Just the you know the the stars are aligning in such a way that uh, I was I'm hoping it would be Aaron Rodgers, but uh, it really doesn't look like it will be, and uh, that kind of sucks. But uh, we'll see, man. Um, you know, Big Ben looks like he's on his way out of the league. Oh yeah. So you know, poor guy. You know, he's he's yeah. had a rough go. Not the not the most popular person. He's a pretty big piece of shit, if you ask me. But you know, he's he can't <laughs> deny his career. Yeah, no, I mean he's going to the Hall of Fame, but yeah, he's had a shitty season and is probably a shitty guy. And uh, fuck him, get him out of the league. Yeah, uh, yeah Baker Mayfield probably going to leave the Browns if you look at it. I think there's a lot a lot of quarterback turnovers coming. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun off season. Yeah, 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 and it's like crazy because I know we talked about this when the season started, uh, when we were kind of doing previews and talking about the just the, the amount of changes. But like, remember when your star players would only play in like one, maybe two teams? You know, 
now it's just like it's it's like just like any other sport where it's just up for grabs where anyone is going to end up right yeah yeah absolutely well look at, at the nba over the last couple of years has been like a 2k season you know the, the <laughs> off seasons have gotten pretty insane in three out of four sports baseball even too there's lots of turnover and, and humongous contracts but uh the off seasons are staying boring in hockey yeah well that's uh, hockey you know hockey's in a weird position especially in the states right like we're so biased here um you know when you have tsn who was able to market a a a a, a under 20 tournament as like the greatest thing since sliced bread you know that we're in a very biased uh country here when it comes to hockey uh, but uh, yeah anyways man um so i think it's time to jump to some wrestling because as you said we have 20 matches to talk about and a card to preview all right so with that said we're going to move on to the wrestling portion of the show uh, we have two pay-per-views to review, analyze, chat about, and those two pay-per-views are NWA Hard Times 2 and Triple Mania, Triple Mania Regia, um, both held last weekend, both very interesting for very different reasons, and then, as I said earlier, the main event, we're going to be previewing and chatting about ROH um, as they enter final battle on their final battle, but Matt, you want to take over and chat some nwa hard times too yeah absolutely and we're gonna like speed review these we're gonna quickly go through both shows it was sequel saturday last week boris december 4th 2021 nwa hard times 2 and triple a triple mania regia 2 both uh sequels of the original uh probably neither is good we'll see we'll get into it so uh, NWA Hard Times 2, as we said, December 4th, 2021, started with three matches on the pre-show. Uh, the first match was Mims versus Jax Dane. It's a pretty average match. Uh, it was exactly what you were expecting when you see those names. It wasn't a terrible wrestling match. It was it was an NWA pre-show opener. Boris, thoughts on this one? You know, when you have someone named Matthew Mims and Jax Dane wrestling... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I felt like we could be watching this on an Applebee's in Scarborough, and it would be the exact same result. I think so, buddy. I feel like, uh, as somebody named Matthew, there are 17 Matthews in every social situation or group, no matter where you go. It is a, it is an overused name. But, uh, yeah, so Mims wins with a crucifix in six minutes and one second, I'm going a Mendoza line kind of match. It's two and a half Orville Browns out of five on this one, <laughs> Boris. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, one thing I want to point out at this moment is that the commentary booth uh, featured Austin Idol. And Boris, I got to tell you, I'm not much of an Austin Idol guy usually, but I thought he was fabulous on commentary as the heel douchebag announcer. He was like a high energy Bobby the Brain Heenan type. He wasn't as good as Bobby the Brain, but that's that was that's what he was doing with with like a lot of energy, like Bobby the Brain on cocaine. Yeah, um, he, ooh, ooh, that's a interesting way to put it. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I am not <laughs> an Austin Idol fan at all. His promos are crap. I think his character is outdated. Um, so when I saw him on in the commentary booth, I was just like, "Oh crap! Here we go. What's what's gonna happen?" And I was honestly very p- 
very 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 pleasantly surprised um and uh yeah it was just like uh, it was it was he was good like you said he was very good he understood the story he understood what he needed to do to put people over um and you know i think you put it past so i'm gonna give you credit for this um it was kind of sad to see him go and get a regular commentary team when it came time for the actual pay-per-view Yes, so for the pre-show, we got Idol on the commentary booth, but he was replaced by Velvet Sky and Tim Storm when the actual pay-per-view started, which I've been really critical of them in the past. I actually thought they did a decent to okay to pretty solid job on this show, all things considered, but I would have much preferred to see Austin Idol just call the whole show. I think he did a great job on this pre-show. Anyway, match number two was a fatal four-way women's tag. It was won by the defending champions, the Hex, with their move, Hex Marks the Spot, which is an interesting one, Boris. It's a running uh, big boot to an upside-down opponent who's in the dominator position. So that's that's a pretty fun little tag team finisher. How do you feel about the Hex as a tag team? I love the Hex. Um, I think that uh, they, they are really good. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge Allison K fan. Uh, I think that she's just done phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, uh, you know, in the indie scene. Um, she's been able to kind of, you know, go in and out of Impact, in and out of NWA. Uh, she's made a couple appearances for AE dubs, uh, but I think she's just phenomenal. And seeing her kind of really like featured more and more i am really enjoying this and you know i think that they're doing a great job of kind of representing the nwa tag titles to, you know throughout the indies i'm a fan of the hex yeah i i would agree with all that buddy so uh yeah uh, i just wanted to just for posterity's sake note the eight teams uh so it's the hex allison k and marty bell uh, and they defeated Kylie Ray and Tootie Lynn. Kylie Ray deserves more. She's right up there with Thunder Rosa. She needs to win more matches and get more of a push. Uh, they also defeated Missa Kate and Natalia Markova. Natalia Markova stands out when you watch this show. And they also defeated the ta- the tandem of Genocide and Paola Blaze. This is notable because Taryn Terrell came in and cashed in Genocide's free ta- uh, free title shot opportunity for her on this match in a fatal four-way match which they then lost so i think they're planting a seed there for you to for you to think well genocide might get away from this heel group and go on her own because they're making poor decisions with uh, her career yeah uh, natalia markova honestly reminds me so much of nxt's electra lopez Great call, buddy. Wow. I can't believe I didn't think of that. But yeah, excellent call. She is NWA's Electra Lopez for sure. All right. So yeah, if we had to if we had to rate that one, we're gonna go slightly below average for a fatal four-way women's tag, but not a bad effort. We're gonna go two uh Dory Funk seniors out of five for that one. Slight fail, but good effort. Yeah, you know what? It wasn't the worst match. It just got a little sloppy in the middle. I think, you know, I think the best way to put it is that it was just overbooked. Um, there was too many people and, 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 you know, the way that, uh, that the ring was and the, the production of it, it just, it just got messy at times. And I feel like, you know, when you consider how we rate our matches and when we talk about the four pillars that we have or the three pillars, sorry, um, this is an AEW we're talking about. Uh, it's, uh, it really hurts it. The crowd hurt it throughout the show. Now, now that I brought up the crowd. Do you know about the crowd situation? Yes, I do. But yeah, explain to the uh, listener yeah. what the crowd so, situation was in the show. The initially, 
in Atlanta. This show was a sellout. Um, I believe it was uh, 250, 500 people. It was a, it was sold out wherever they were. It was a legit sellout. Um, but because of health and safety protocols, they had to reduce the crowd to about 90 people. So NWA officials were personally calling and contacting people uh, who were actually able to get into the arena um, and not into the arena. Uh, so that's and they centered everyone on the hard camera right in the center. Uh, so, you know, y- you're you're working with a percentage of the crowd that you're expecting. Um, you know, you, you're you working, you're trying to make it look good for TV. Um, but without you being told this story, you just assume that NWA is a big failure. But that's honestly not the case. And it's unfortunate that they were put in this situation. Um, you know, but this is honestly just the realities of the world that we live in now. Yeah. Uh, and they at least said that on the pay-per-view. They kind of explained that situation somewhat, not in those exact words, but they let us know that COVID protocols were why the crowd was so thin, but they were still bringing us the show and putting on their best uh, effort. So, you know, you got to you, uh, thank you for pointing that out. It is worth noting. Got to respect the hustle. But uh, yeah, just an unfortunate break because it did really hurt the show. It, it certainly did. Yeah. It, it it really really did in the grand scheme of stuff. Um, I think that the show just would have been so like just like you know watching this from home, watching this on TV. I feel like it just would have been a better experience. Uh, with the, obviously with more people there, they're gonna make more noise. They're gonna make stuff feel like it's a big match feeling. Um, like you know what was the absolute worst during the pandemic era of of wrestling and MMA? What UFC. Nothing felt important. It felt like we were just watching, um, you know, various random fights of from their uh, from the reality TV show. That's so funny that you say that. We got to get going, so we can't really debate this too much. But I strongly disagree with your point there. I thought UFC was probably hurt the least of anything of any of any sport. I actually think UFC held up the best. So it's it, we'll talk about that in detail later. But uh, that's interesting. That in, and, I open up my notebook. Or my <laughs> notepad. All right. Uh, yeah, so moving on. The next thing was the worst thing on the show. It was a Royal Rumble-style match. The new, uh, the World Junior Heavyweight Championship qualifying gauntlet. So it was a Royal Rumble-style thing, but you can only win via pinfall. It went 21 minutes, won by Homicide in the end. So quickly again for posterity, here are the order of entrance. Kerry Morton, Luke Hawks, Sal Renaro, Aria Divari, who did not get to last long enough, PJ Hawks, C.W. Anderson of ECW fame, Boris, Alex Taylor, Homicide came in at eight, your eventual winner, Victor Benjamin, Ricky Morton, of course, of the Rock and Roll Express and father of Kerry Morton, Jeremiah Plunkett. And Jamie Stanley. So this match came down to the the, the two father and son duos, Kerry Martin and Ricky Martin, Luke Hawks and PJ Hawks, and Homicide beat all four of those bitches and won this match clean. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, no surprise there. Um, you know, okay, I shouldn't say no surprise because my money was 100% on Sal Renaro. Um, but, <laughs> you know, 
That was more of a heart pick than a head pick. Exactly, exactly. But my my, so it was one of those where I wanted Sal Renaro to win, but I knew Homicide was going to win just because you kind of want that that quote unquote household name uh, to this tournament, right? To this uh, uh, whatever this NWA World Junior Heavyweight, um, you know, tournament's going to be or whatever they're going to decide to do to crown the next champ. Yeah, it really seems like they don't quite know what the format is because they just they keep saying, like, if you don't win this battle royal, you'll have to wrestle multiple matches. Like, are you doing a round robin? Are you doing a single elimination? I don't even think Billy Corgan himself knows. But uh, yeah, so that was it for the pre-show. Uh, it was a not the best pre-show, but honestly, Austin Idol did, did a fabulous job. I, I thought he helped uh, sail it along. Yep, exactly. All right, let's get to the main show. All right, so first match, Austin Aries versus Rhett Titus, ROH 2010 semi-main event here. But uh, I, I don't know. This was this was a your, this was a pretty standard opener. It was wrestled in the slower, uh, more basic, uh, you know, NWA style. Let's call it. It wasn't exactly like a fast pace, even an ROH match. It looked a little different than it would have in a Ring of Honor ring. But I, I would still call it a pretty good match. I went. Uh, all things considered, Boris, I went three Terry Funks out of five on this one. 60% NWA percentage. Yeah, for sure. They for sure were, were skipping a step here and there. Um, and it should also be noted that this also was a NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship tournament qualifying match. Yeah, so whatever form the tournament is going to take, Austin Aries is in the tournament, but Homicide has already skipped the entire tournament and he's in the final. So that's what we know. Yep, exactly. So go figure. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, I, I I have literally have no. I can't even begin to think about what they're planning with that uh, for that belt. Yeah, I, who knows? But we'll see how it goes. Also, if I had to put a number on the uh, battle royal gauntlet thing, I probably would not go higher than one Dory Funk Jr. out of five. That was one of the worst things I watched all weekend. Definitely the worst thing on this show. Uh, Coming up, another sneaky contender for worst thing on this show. It wasn't that good. It was the OGK versus Stevens and Kratos. Boris, your boy is the OGK in an NWA ring versus Damian Sandow. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what this match was at the end of the day. Um, you know, the OGK, like you can't deny their, and I've said this on the show before, um, you can't deny their passion, you can't deny their kind of, like, you know, their history. They mean something in the grand scheme of stu- of things. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're listening to this on Friday, uh, on by in the evening, you will be able to read a very cool interview on slamwrestling.net about the OGK. Um, you know, they're, they just, they're, they won a lot of points with me. Let me tell you that. I didn't conduct the interview. I just read it, uh, proofread it before uh, it went live. Um, and, um, you know, they're just, they, 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 they get it. You know, they for sure get it, especially Mike Bennett, obviously. He's been in the all these very interesting situations the past few months, the past few years. Um, and then Matt Taven has kind of held the baton of ROH for, for a few years, being their, you know, a pretty good champ for, for ROH standards. Um, you know, and, and, and it should be noted that this entire ROH thing was actually... And by this ROH thing, I mean them coming to NWA was brokered before the meltdown of ROH happened. Uh, it's just the timing kind of works out that they can still get out there 
and perform on these shows as we're nearing final battle this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm definitely pumped to check out that interview. That's uh, that'll be a good read for sure. So yeah, OGK wins this match. Uh, let's see, Matt Taven has Damian Sandow in an uh, no, sorry, Sandow has Matt Taven in an O'Connor roll. Bennett comes in, elbows Sandow, reverses the O'Connor roll. Taven pins him in ten minutes and fifty-seven seconds. We're gonna go slight fail for that one as well. Two out of five, Boris. Yeah, it was okay, at best. All right, here's a contender for match of the night. And we're going to have to litigate this one at the end of the review. But Colby Carino versus Doug Williams. Just a straight up scientific wrestling match. Colby wins this thing clean with uh, his, his interesting finishing move. I think it might have a name, but they didn't say it in this match. It's like an octopus hold into a code red. You know, he does like a driver out of a crazy octopus hold, and he pinned Doug Williams with it. So I, I really enjoyed this match. So I do know the name of this move. It is called nice. the Sun Setter. S-O-N Setter. Yes. Yes, it is the Sun Setter. That is exactly what it's called. I remember now. Great, great pull out of you, Boris. We're going to go three and a half Steve Carinos out of five for that one. A 70% Corrigan percentage on that one, Boris. And if that wasn't your match of the night, the following match was Mickey James versus Kira Hogan. Kira Hogan's another one similar to uh, to Kylie Ray, similar to um, uh, Thunder Rosa, man. She needs more of a push. She needs to get wins because uh, people love her and she's really good. Yeah, Kira Hogan, like, you know, she left Impact recently uh, to go to AEW. Believe it or not, she is part of the AEW roster. Like, uh, like So they say. So they say, right? Um, and she's just so freaking talented. It's, it's, it's almost criminal that she is not on TV each and every week playing the Jade Cargill character. That's a really good call, but Jade Cargill is huge. I understand why they push her, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. We don't need to talk about Jade Cargill, but I see it way more in Kira Hogan than I do in Jade Cargill. Mickey wins this match with the old uh, Ricky Steamboat roll through cross body reversal situation. Uh, also, Wikipedia reported this time at eight forty six as well. Yeah, and uh, I would say a three and a half Lou Thezes out of five it's a 70 percent thesis percentage on this one bars yeah man this match was awesome i really really in like this match uh you know mickey james is is just you know she's she still has got it she can still make people look good she can still keep up uh with the ute um you know not that she's old <laughs> but like you know she she can still keep up with the, the with the current style of wrestling and kira hogan and like i said it's just criminal that she's not being pushed to the sky in aew Boris, you're such a Toronto man's. Um, okay, match number eight, Tyrus versus Sion, no DQ. Honestly, not the worst Tyrus match I've ever seen, but it went 15 minutes and 54 seconds. That's about 11 minutes too long for Brodus Clay these days. So they they used a lot of plunder. There was an entertaining table spot where uh, Tyrus went through it and it exploded and disintegrated. But, uh, yeah, this is a pretty bad uh, wrestling match, all things considered. Yeah, exactly. This wasn't, it was what it was. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Tyrus. I never was a big fan of Tyrus. I'm less of a fan now. Uh, so I think we can safely just move on. Yeah, two Jack Briscoes out of five for that one. 40% Corgan percentage. Uh, next up, Chris Adonis versus Judas. 
you know, Chris Masters is a little bit underrated in the ring, even still. He was uh, he was like a little bit of an internet darling in 2009 to 10 on superstars and people kind of forget that chris adonis chris masters he's a good wrestler yeah exactly uh you know and, and i think this is like you know kind of similar to trevor murder kind of similar to mike knox i feel like he he feels that he has something to prove to kind of break the shackles of the wwe booking and wwe creative because it's unfortunate that some of these guys especially who were around in the age of no real competition and I'm including TNA in that, regardless of what you think. <laughs> um, you know, some of these guys were typecast as WWE rejects, guys who couldn't make it in WWE, but there was no other platform for them to make it, right? So some of these guys, if you take a look at some of these names that I mentioned, Mike Knox, Trevor Murdoch, Chris Adonis, right? Um, you have uh, JTG, you know, there's a lot of people from that era who are trying to make a name of themselves and kind of just like, you know, let themselves be known, let themselves get out there, let themselves portray characters that they weren't ever allowed to play because, you know, there was no other option outside of WWE. And I think that that's really firmly where Chris Adonis lives because all we remember about him is his stupid Master Lock challenge on Raw right after Mike Knox and Trevor Murdoch fought. Yeah, and speaking of stupid master lock, Boris, Adonis <laughs> wins with the master lock. 10 minutes, 53 seconds, average professional wrestling match. But hey, getting an average match out of Judas is an accomplishment. So hats off to you, Chris Adonis. We're going to go two and a half Harley races out of five Mendoza line kind of match, Boris. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's all. You know, it's 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 uh, Chris Adonis is better than Mendoza line, but this overall match wasn't. Yes. Uh, now, speaking of uh, people who are slightly below the Mendoza line, this match was not good. NWA tag titles, La Rebellion versus The End. The End suck. They're, they're, they, I don't I don't see much with them. They're just kind of big, plodding 80s wrestlers. Uh, yeah, this match was a miss for me. What yeah. do you think? A hundred percent miss for me. Uh, you know, this honestly, like, it felt like we were watching LOD versus Demolition 1980, whatever Survivor Series. Like, it just, it just was no bueno. Minus, minus the charisma, minus the cool characters, minus everything. So yeah, yeah I Rebellion wins with a 450 splash, seven minutes and 47 seconds. I uh, I'm gonna go as low as one Carrie Von Eric out of five. It's a 20 percent Texas Tornado percentage. I was actually offended when the announcers acted like that match was good at the end of it. I really disliked this. I had no time for it. <laughs> I love that. It's like, God forbid the commentators try to put people over. <laughs> <laughs> I reject I reject your premise, Tim Storm. Uh, no, yeah, you got to sell it. Uh, you got to sell it. I get it. But yeah, no, I, I disagree with their assessment. The 11th match on this pay-per-view, Boris, was a grudge match. Nick Aldis versus Tom Latimer. If anybody would come out and interfere, both combatants would be suspended for a month which was an interesting uh, gimmick. I guess they tried to... I actually kind of halfway thought that it was going to lead to a suspension to get them off TV, kind of freshen things up. But they actually went straight up wrestling match with this. Nick Aldis wins with the old jackknife roll-up in 11 minutes and 16 seconds. What did you think of this one, buddy? I 
really didn't hate this match too much. I, I, I don't know why I used hate as the verb to use. I enjoyed this match. Um, I think Nick Aldis is, is he's he's good. I like Nick Aldis. Like, um, he, he's perfectly built for the NWA. Um, and Tom Latimer, I, you know, he's kind of like that old dog who just keeps on kicking and he has so much more to give, right? Um, and, you know, this grudge match from their former stable mates, right? Uh, I, I really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the match. I really did like this match in the grand scheme of things um you know outside of the carino match i think this was my match of the night and the women's match yeah. fair enough man I, I could definitely see that i went uh three whipper billy watsons out of five for this one but i could definitely hear an argument that i underrated it, it was maybe a little better uh i don't know how many legs how much legs the nick aldis babyface character has though it seems like a, a temporary thing you know it should be temporary like you know I, i've said this on nxt tuck i've said this on bam there's certain characters there's certain people who should never ever ever be faces and in my opinion nick aldis is one of them there's just something about him that doesn't scream face to me yeah he's he's got the arrogance the swagger he just yeah he is a bad guy it seems like you just want to you just want to boo him so i i i'm on board with that exactly uh, next yeah. up go ahead sorry yeah. No, no worries. Next up, 12th out of 13 matches for the NWA women's title, Camille versus Molina. I'm really impressed with Molina's selling in these matches. That's definitely her best trait, but she's really, really good at it. Her strikes kind of look like garbage, but when she's on defense and selling and receiving moves, she makes her opponent look like a million bucks. And she also does it in an entertaining, engaging way. So can't say enough about Molina these days. She's improved a lot as a worker, quote unquote. You know, and I, I kind of batch her in the same group that I batched Trevor Merrick, Mike Knox, and Chris Adonis, like these people who were stuck yeah. in the Federation who had nothing else to do when they left, right? So now they're kind of trying to break loose and, and become their own, especially in this new, brave new world of wrestling where, you know, there are no doors. Everything is open. You can show up wherever you want, essentially, as long as uh, you're not an asshole. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, Melina, I think she seeing this recent res, uh, resurgence of Melina and her character and her wrestling ability. I think she's done a great job with it. Like I, she's been overall pretty entertaining. Like you mentioned, she might not be the best wrestler, but she's a household name that can for sure put some prominence into the people she's facing, especially when she's facing someone who is a relatively unknown still, like Camille. Yeah, Camille is your NWA Women's Champ, but in the grand scheme of things, she's not like, uh, you know, she's not a Serena Deeb. She's not a Thunder Rosa. She's not hell. She's not even a Holiday just yet. <laughs> yeah, Melina is not a fabulous wrestler, but she's great at the thing she's good at. She She's really, really top-level seller, and... Not much else going on and there. Unlike, but yeah, Camille wins this. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, unlike some other wrestlers, Melina, like you said, she knows what she's good at and she sticks to that. She doesn't try to go over that like bar too much. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but when you know when 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 your wrestling skills are limited, when you're in a pay per view, when you're really trying to put someone over, sometimes kind of trying too much can make the match so much worse. 
A million percent agreed. And she keeps it simple, stupid. The kiss rule, Boris. She follows the kiss rule. So yeah, Camille wins with a spear, 12 minutes and 42 seconds. I would also say this was a contender for match of the night. I would say it was probably my bronze medalist. I would give Kira Hogan and and, uh, Mickey James my gold medal and Colby Carino uh, my silver medal on that one. But I, I would say this was close to match of the night as well. I really enjoyed this one. Camille, in 12 minutes and 42 seconds, we're going to go three and a half Ricky Steamboats. It's a 70% dragon percentage, buddy. Yep, agreed. This, this, this was a very good, entertaining match. Um, and uh, I think now we can move on and talk about Raw 2010 main event. <laughs> the main event of this 2021 wrestling pay-per-view trevor murdoch versus mike knox trevor wins with the top row bulldog in eight minutes and 15 seconds it was beat by beat blow by blow exactly what i expected but yet somehow mike knox still looked a little better than i thought i uh i was i was dreading this this could have been a disaster and it was just uh pretty average just pretty much there it was just pretty much there Eight minutes and 38 seconds, did you say? 8.15. So says Wiki. All right, so that's exactly how long this match should have been. And and again, I appreciate that there are still some, some promotions who recognize that not every main event needs to be 40, 50 minutes. Um, because again, as I mentioned earlier, if you try to do too much, you end up really suffering. So the fact that they recognized that these two can go 10 minutes... And I know I'm, I'm I'm just rounding up for the sake of this conversation. Um, you know, it's smart, right? Like you don't you don't you don't always have to shoot for the stars, especially when you're trying to be an up and coming promotion like the NWA. You just need to make everyone look good, kind of like that Paul Heyman style of booking. And what made ECW really special is that Paul Heyman was always able to hide people's faults. He was always able to hide what people aren't good at, and. I'm finding that NWA is kind of trying to do this with some people, um, and it's smart that they recognize this at least with their champions and the championship matches and the main events of the night. Yeah, I, well put, buddy. And that's yeah, that that's it is what it is. But yeah, at the end of the day, average wrestling match. You'd be I I don't think you could call it anything better than that but at the same time there was nothing wrong with this match it was it was a perfectly fine watch and i don't think you know i want to be overly critical by it so we're going to say it's it's a solid two and a half rick flares it's a mendoza line main event here on nwa hard times not the most offensively bad show overall you know like Watching the uh, championship series, the NWA championship series, made me angry. It made me hate NWA. This was just like, ah, oh, it was a show. It was fine. Yeah. The issue that I'm having with NWA, and I think you, you know, talking about the championship series, is that, and I'm having the same issue with this NWA junior heavyweight, uh, whatever it is, the fact that it's whatever it is, that's what concerns me. There doesn't seem to be much thought into tomorrow with NWA. Yeah. What I mean, look who they employ. Look, uh, yeah, look, yeah. I, I I agree with that. Like the whole the whole junior heavyweight tournament, like you said, is just nobody knows exactly what that is gonna be. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's not the most exciting product. There are some, you know, there are some major criticisms to be had. But at the same time, I kind of like this show. It wasn't bad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So overall, I like say, like you know, I think twenty five percent of the night 
was okay, was pretty good, I, I should say. Uh, 25% was okay, and then half of it was just like, oh, yeah, it's NWA. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would say the vast majority of it just had that NWA feel to it. But yeah, man, let's move on because we still have another uh, far superior show to talk about from the same night, Triple A, Triple Mania 2. Yeah, exactly. Triple Mania Regia 2. Yeah, uh, so this show was held in Monterey at the biggest baseball field in Mexico. Uh, very cool to see an outdoor show. Uh, you know, the crowd brought it for for some people for the most part. I, you know, I think this embodied everything when you think about Mexican wrestling. You have some amazing in-ring at times. You have some embarrassing in-ring at times. You have some really weird angles at times. You have some just strange, random shit happening at times. Like this show embodied everything that is triple A, and and you know it, overall I enjoyed it. But I can see why some people wouldn't, and I can see why I would enjoy it. See, this is the stuff I grew up with. This is the wrestling that I would watch with my family on TLN or other means and you know this style of madness of chaos of 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 you know telenovela meets wrestling you know like it's just it's 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 so weird how much i love it and hate it as a wrestling fan all at once cuz some stuff were just a complete mess uh one match in particular which featured Corey Graves' brother of all people, um, you know, it just like there was some really embarrassing shit. There was some really fun stuff. There was two matches in particular that I just absolutely or three matches that I absolutely loved. Um, and then you have these weird just on top of it all. I watched this show twice. I watched this once in Spanish. I watched this once with Matt Stryker. Ooh. Let me say I watched the show one and a half times because I couldn't get through the Matt Stryker commentary. <laughs> that's funny i watched this show in spanish and i am glad that i didn't find the english feed i i don't need to hear matt striker call a wrestling match ever again well yeah, what's that- worse before we get into this what well, like to me it, it, it's so mickey mouse i hope fight tv honestly and i hate to say this you know i i, I never want to put people on notice like this but i feel like as a wrestling fan as someone who appreciates the sport as someone who wants to you know grow wrestling especially a company like triple a um in the states and especially here in canada he did a horrible job there were times where he's like you know literally second guessing himself flat out getting things wrong it was just almost embarrassing, and 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 it was just like absolutely criminal what he did on the commentary desk. Like it was just horrible. He just sucked the fun out of the show, and he he was so monotone throughout the entire show, which made it that much worse. It was like it wasn't even the match striker of of um you know of Lucha Underground. It wasn't even the fuck. It wasn't even the match striker of other AAA shows. It was just a different match striker. Like he just completely phoned it in and said, "This is the greatest." Don't you think? 
Oh, man. I've never been a Matt Stryker guy, although I did enjoy his work in Lucha Underground. But, yeah, I, I thought his 2010 run was the worst a commentator has ever been on a major wrestling show. I've yeah. never heard worse commentary than Matt Stryker in 2010. So it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that. Matt Stryker 2021, my friend. That's worse. All right, let's get to the show. <laughs> it's It was an eight-match show. Uh, let's start at the top. We had a six-woman match. Uh, one thing to note is that in Mexico, they love their their trios matches. Almost everything is a trios match, uh, you know, kind of similar to the way that New Japan has their tag matches and their multi-man matches. Uh, you know, AAA loves their trio matches. Another thing yeah. to note is that the referees oftentimes are heels and faces. You have your heel referees who flat out side with Los Rudos, the heels, um, and that kind of plays into stuff. And sometimes these referees uh, don't have uh, any acting chops whatsoever, um, which <laughs> can, can kind of hurt the product at the end of the day. Um, you know, so, you know, I just kind of wanted to highlight those two things before we move on to the first match, because the first match was Las Toxicas, uh, the Toxics, um, not Toxic Attraction, just the toxics of Flamir, uh, Lady Mar uh, Maravilla, and La Hiedra. Uh, uh, they were facing Fabi, Apache, Lady Shani, and Sexy Star. Not the original Sexy Star. A new Sexy Star. Sexy Star 2. The return. Sexy yes. Star Dose. Um, before this match even started, it turned into a lumber lumber person match. You had heels and faces coming down with their plastic straps that looked more like a sex toy than anything else. It was just really awkward. Um, and this match, this match had some pretty good moves. It had some nasty. There was one, and I forget who performed it. Um, I it was uh, I forget who it was. It doesn't matter. It was someone from Las Toxicas. Um, delivered a fallaway German suplex to Sexy Star, and Sexy Star just about fell, just about fell on her neck. It was so nasty looking. Oh, um, that suplex was gross. Yes, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. It happened early in the match too, uh, and um, yeah, and so 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 you know, anytime that any of the competitors went outside. Both heels and faces started just whipping them with these weird plastic sex toy things. Um, and, uh, you know, at one point, all the lumberjacks started wrestling with each other. Uh, the referee even got involved because you had a face referee come down and say, how dare you? Um, you know, you're, 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 you're an embarrassment of a referee. Uh, the referee then gets his ass kicked by the lumberjacks. The face referee comes in to the match, uh, you know, and then the end of the match was so awkward because the heel lumberjacks grabbed the face referee's foot, distracted him. There was some stuff that happened in the ring. Then the heel referee comes back for a fast count. So your winners were Las Toxicas, your Rudos of the match, with help of their Rudo referee. It was just so weirdly booked. Like, we complained that a Young Bucks match is overbooked. Man, oh man, this was just crazy. Yeah, this was a, a full production. Yeah, like you said, Las Toxicas win with a combination stunner and then code breaker and then a triple pin and a fast count. 10 minutes and 19 seconds this went. Uh, I couldn't call it any better than, uh, than a two, uh, I don't know, let's say two luchas out of five 
for a uh, yeah, it's slight fail on this one, but you couldn't. Yeah, I mean, it was a very entertaining match, but by no means a good wrestling match. <laughs> That's the thing. Let's make that distinction. It was entertaining, but it wasn't very good. Absolutely, yeah, very much so. As opposed to the next match, which I would say was entertaining and wild and insane, but very good. Yes, exactly. So now here's here's before that match, though. Conan. Yes, that Conan hits the ring, cuts a promo. He's he Conan in AAA is super heel. Um, he's, he's sort of seen as an authority figure as well. Uh, so Conan hits the ring and he says, you know, screw you people in Mexico. Um, you know, you 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 Mexicans screwed Kenny Omega. If Kenny Omega was Mexican, he would still be champion. Um, and then he basically tells the Lucha brothers that they're going to get their up and comings later tonight against FTR. And then he basically says that in 2022, he's he being Conan will do as he wishes. And this is when Cybernetico, a legend of AAA, a legend of Mexico, the way I would compare him is he is the Onita of Mexico. Um, and he kind of dresses like him when you when you actually think about it. Um he comes back. This is the first time he's been around in a really long time. And he, like I said, he's a legend. Uh, he comes out and he essentially hits the ring and says to Conan that he has a lot of information that can ruin his career. And he's going to drop that information little by little because Conan has held the wrestlers back. He's held Triple A, the promotion back. And he's here to clean the promotion back up. So, yeah, so it was a nice little kind of uh, uh, build-up to stuff that we're going to be seeing, I guess, over the next year as we head into Triple Mania next summer. Oh, man, it's so awesome to hear you kind of translate those promos, too, because obviously I have no idea, and I kind of just let, let it play in the background and handle some other things, try to get the vibe of, like, the crowd and stuff. But, yeah, man, it's it's actually so dope that you can provide us with the, the backstory there. And Mexican Onita is a pretty good call. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next match was a crazy fun match. It was a triple threat trios match. It was Nueva Generación Dinamita, uh, El Cuartero, uh, Forastrero, and Sanson. They went up against Nuevo Poder del Norte, uh, Carta Brava Jr., Moca Cota Jr., and Tito Santana. No relation to our Tito Santana. And they were facing the group that Cybernetico founded way back in the early 2000s, Los Vipers, which in uh, had Abismo Negro Jr., Ares, and Psychosis 3. Psychosis 3. So not the same Psychosis, or yes, our Psychosis. Honestly, Different psychosis. It's, hard, it's hard to keep track of this stuff, to be 100% <laughs> honest. I don't think okay. it's the same. Uh, because they. So when Los Vipers were reformed a few years ago, our psychosis actually filed a lawsuit against Triple A on the usage of his name. I see. Okay, very good. But yeah, regardless, so this was a crazy weapons-filled hate fest, uh, but in a good way. And later on in the show, this formula would become way too much. But at this moment, we hadn't reached the tipping point yet and i just thought this was a ton of fun just an awesome wild brawl yep 
They had light tubes. They put people through tables and light tubes and both tables and light tubes. It was crazy. Um, you know, Poder del Norte just like went out guns a blazing. Freak, I'm surprised they didn't use guns, to be honest. You know, they, they didn't get their their Glock Anderson, like their Glock Anderson out there. But yeah, no, this match was absolutely crazy. I wasn't expecting this much plunder. Honestly, it felt like we were watching GCW at some points. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So uh, NGD wins this match by uh, one man monkey flipping his partner into a senton onto another man through a table in 13 minutes and 25 seconds. Uh, my notes here read four stars. Jesus fucking Christ, LOL. Yeah. So I'm sticking by that rating. It is uh, four JFCs out of five on this one, Boris. It was a wild, insane wrestling match. One of the craziest you'll see all year. Yeah, and to clarify, it was Nueva Generación Dinamita that won. Um, and then after the match, Cybernetico just comes in. He clears the ring of everyone, and he kind of celebrates with Los Vipers. So that was a nice little touching moment. Um, again, you know, Cybernetico, it seems like he's going to be a featured person over the next year. Um, what scares me about that, though, is because he cut that promo against Conan, I really hope Conan kind of has a champion uh, that he can put up against Cybernetico, and it's not going to be Conan, because I don't even think Conan can, like, legally, physically, health-wise, get into the ring again. I would say not. Uh, probably, rightfully so, man. He shouldn't. We don't want Conan to wrestle. That's not That's not what I'm calling for anyway. But uh, that makes a lot of sense. I can see Yeah. That. All right. Then the next match, we had a bit of a break. We literally had commercials on the stage. One thing that really really took me out of the night sometimes was anytime they had a wide shot and you can see kind of their uh, their screens at the entrance they're running ads sometimes it's very yeah. distracting and it feels like those wide shots are done on purpose to get the ads on television which i do understand but boy it is it is kind of annoying when you get the big wide shot and on your screen probably 60 percent of it is you know a, a basically a billboard yeah Exactly, it's crazy. All right, so the next match was your Invaders, La Empresa, uh, which is a new stable here in AAA, but they were all former former CMLL and other wrestlers. And the theme throughout the night was the Invaders, who are trying to change the way that Lucha Libre is in AAA versus your traditional AAA Lucha Libre style like it was a really cool story and a really cool concept that they had throughout the night but it was again it, it I wish it was more of a theme that they kept to but they would allude to it so often on commentary um, that you know it just they kind of wish that uh, the bookers um, you know freak remember what they told people like I don't know what it is about triple <laughs> A or Mexican wrestling in general CMLL has this issue as well um, hell even Ultimo Dragons promotion has this issue in Mexico I've seen some of their shows and it's just like you know they're trying to tell a cohesive story throughout the night but it's like in the middle of the show they forget what that story was and they pick it up here and there anyways so it was La Empresa um, DMT Azul uh, I don't know why I just said it like that. DMT Azul, Puma King, and Sam Adonis, which is brother to Corey Graves. Um, they faced Chessman, Murder Clown, and Dave the Clown. Yes, oh. noted babyface team, Chessman and Murder Clown. Yes. 
murder clown technical (laughs) (laughs) amazing you gotta love it dude dude how do we talk about this match like this match was just bad in every shape way or form it was embarrassing this match it was an inferior version of the previous match they went with the same exact vibe a crazy weapons filled brawl except it was just just terrible it was just it was it was a good example to see these matches back to back and see this style done correctly and then to see it done in such a boring nonsensical way and the fact that they put these two similar matches back to back were really just a terrible decision in my opinion i disliked this strongly i thought this was worse than anything on the nwa show this is the worst wrestling match i saw in a long time yeah, and, and what really didn't help this match is that all six guys were in the ring at once. There was no resemblance of a trio's tagging in and tagging out. Like, even for Mexican standards, this was a schmoz. Like, it was just crazy. Um, <laughs> it was just really, really bad. Um, so, Chessman took a huge beating. He was essentially uh, outside of the ring for half the match. Um, La Empresa ended up winning. Uh, after the match, Chessman was out. They put him on a stretcher. Uh, La Empresa is talking to the the, 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 the the widow of the chairman of AAA, kind of making fun of her, saying, we're here to stay. We're changing the game. And then as Chessman is being stretchered away, Sam Adonis, he, uh, he starts beating up on Chessman. Climbs up to the top rope, tries a moonsault, but overshoots the moonsault, completely overshoots the moonsault in the most embarrassing way. Uh, And then he just like kind of laughs it off, gets up and starts beating up Chessman on the stretcher. But he completely missed Chessman on the stretcher with this moonsault. Like it was just like, holy shit, dude, what did you just do? Yeah, look, he like literally turned around and was openly laughing about it. Like it was missed so badly. And he, I mean, he looked like very painful. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of part and parcel of what this match was. There wasn't even really a finish. It just like the uh, the clowns on the outside of the ring uh, turned out to swerve Dave the Clown and Murder Clown. They weren't actually clowns. They were with La Empresa. And uh, yeah, Empresa won by a literal, just a just a beat, a gang beatdown. I wrote in all caps, wins via gang clown beatdown. 14 minutes and eight seconds. Terrible wrestling match. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened next wasn't much better. And it's so unfortunate because it was honestly, the, the first half was fantastic. And that is the Lucha Brothers come out to a huge ovation. Holy crap, dude. They are over. Like, I know they're over, but I didn't think they would be this over in Mexico. Like, it, like they, they're, they're just like, it's insane how over they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I am also surprised that AAA uses AEW themes. Like, they came out to their AEW. Anyone who has an AEW theme song on this show used it. And that's pretty interesting. But, yeah, hearing that AEW theme and seeing those guys come out basically to the biggest pop on the night was was really, really interesting to see. Like, they, don't get it twisted. The Lucha Brothers are top-level acts in professional wrestling right now. And what's top funny is, okay, so, so here in Stateside, out of the Lucha Brothers, who is the main brother? Who would you think is the main brother? 
Um, probably. That's really tough to say. Probably Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny because, like, I think over the past few, like, past couple years, they've firmly put that. But for the longest time, it was Penta because Penta was yeah. more seen, right? But in Mexico, it's always been Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix has always been kind of like the leader of the brothers. He was the mega champion. He was everything, right? Like, he was the main brother. Um, but it's interesting now seeing that dynamic here in North America, too, because for the longest time, Penta was the one that you would see. Um, anyways, they cut a very, like, they, like they just said how much they love Mexico. How, you know, they're never going to forget their time in Mexico. Um, you know, the commentators then went on to say how Penta still lives in the neighborhood. It's like they, they live in Compton, where it's the same neighborhood, the same house that he grew up in. Because he loves Mexico so much. And then... Vicky Guerrero comes out. Vicky Guerrero comes out. <laughs> on the on the plus side, one awesome thing was that she was wearing a, a dress, gear, if you will, an outfit inspired by Eddie Guerrero and uh, Art Bar, the Love Machine, the Gringos Locos gear. So I I thought that was awesome. FTR, yeah, their 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 gear was fantastic. They were totally on point. Um, and you have to remember that Eddie Guerrero, like essentially, Vicky Guerrero cut a promo that Eddie Guerrero would cut. Eddie Guerrero was a rudo, and his whole shtick was that screw Mexico, I'm American. America is better than Mexico. I just so happen to be Mexican, but screw Mexico. America made me rich. America made me popular. America did this. Mexico kept me down. That was kind of his shtick, right? So Vicky Guerrero tried doing this. It was really insulting. It was really bad. Uh, and then FTR, or sorry, FTR comes out. Uh, they tr kept trying to insult Mexico. It was just really bad. It was just overall really bad. It was just didn't work. Um, the crowd, though, you know, FTR was at the point where they could have incited a small little riot. Did you see how they were getting in the faces of some of the fans and even, like, slap some of them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dax Harwood, man, he's uh, he doesn't give a shit. He loves being a pro wrestling bad guy. He's put on this earth to do it. But, uh, yeah, so this promo was, like you said, it went very long. This show is going very long. But, yeah, I, I had no I had no time for this. But, yeah, I, I did I did love Vicky Guerrero's outfit. Yeah, all right. So then, um, you know, Brawl ensues. You think the match is going to happen soon. But, no, that was just some time waster. Uh, the next match was uh, Dragon Lee and Dralistico versus Laredo Kid and a mystery partner. The mystery partner ended up being Willie Mack. This match was pretty fucking good. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Drillistico is the former Sin Cara, the former Mistico. He's, he's, he's awesome in his element in Mexico. And yeah, Dragon Lee, one of the best luchadors in the world. Uh, the combination, uh, La Faccion Ingobernable did win this match. Dragon Lee with the Shining Wizard on Willie Mack in 13 minutes and 54 seconds. I thought this was a really strong match. Kind of yep. fun. And with the setup that happened, though, because now the Dragon Lee has that victory. He challenged Laredo Kid for the AAA Cruiserweight Championship match. Laredo Kid accepted. Dude, this match is going to be crazy. Oh, I can't wait to see that one. Yeah, absolutely. Dragon Lee is so good. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing Dragon Lee and Dralistico go on a little tag team run. Yeah, all right. 
Then, it was for the AAA Tag Team Championships as FTR went up against Lucha Bros in an unannounced ladder match, which kind of hurt me because the entire promo that FTR was cutting was that they're done with flips, they're done with nonsense, they're done with masks, they're done with this, they're done, you know, they're bringing classic wrestling. It kind of felt like an English Imperium promo. And then you put them in a ladder match. It's very interesting that they decided to make it a ladder match. I wonder why they would make it a ladder match and not advertise it. I wonder if it was a last-minute decision because they didn't want to pin the Lucha Brothers. I kind of think that's what it was. But uh, at the same time, like I, I think if you're going to do this, you might as well advertise it. Because I think it could have gotten a buy or two, you know? Yeah, I think so, 100%. Uh, you know, but it's just like, for me, this match, it was a good match. But the ending effing hurt it so bad. I wouldn't say it was the strongest finish. It was a little cheesy. So uh, FTR wins this match after Vicky Guerrero throws powder into Pentagon's eyes. And thus he falls off of a ladder through a table and the Benny Hill music plays and people start running over each other, tripping on banana peels, 12 minutes and 12 seconds. So I, I did think it was a pretty, pretty solid match. You couldn't really complain about it. But uh, it was not great. I wouldn't call it great. But at the same time, FTR and Lucha Bros could sleepwalk their way to a very good match. And that's the thing. Like, the match itself was good. I liked the match itself. But once the ladder started getting involved, it really took me out. And the ending was just like, Vicky Guerrero, she just, just she, like, she, uh, like, God bless her. <laughs> God bless her. But, yeah, no, she just needs to not be involved. She just really needs to not be involved. And uh, just, just don't. Just no, please. No, not in AAA, please. Especially not in AAA. Not with FTR. Like, just just stay home, please. Um, uh, I got to say, I disagree. I think she's kind of doing her job on you, Boris. I think she's getting that heat on you. No, it's, no, it's not understand. heat. It's not. No, it's not <laughs> it's, the right type of heat. And I can tell you that from the Mexicans, okay. from, okay. from 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 some of the... Uh, uh, message boards that I visited. It's not the good heat. This is like, feel it, feel you know, yeah. she's ruining the Guerrero name type thing. I understand. I feel you. I can't argue that. To me, it, it still works, but uh, I understand we've been seeing the same thing out of Vicky Guerrero for like over a decade now. So that's fair. I can't yeah. argue that. All right, yeah, for, next... this, for both this match, sorry, for both this match and the previous match, I would go three and a half Lucha Masks out of five, 70% on both of those matches. I thought they were pretty good. Uh, match of the night contenders, although I think the best one was the Triple Threat Trios tag. That was just absolutely insane. Yeah. All right, the next match saw a returning Cain Velasquez, Pagano, and Psycho Clown as they went up against Los Mercenarios, Reyes Scorpion, and Taurus, and L.A. Park. Yeah, Cain Velasquez continues to look good in AAA. Once he puts that Lucha mask on, he just seems like he's a different guy with a whole new confidence. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's like he really is able to just turn himself into the superhero, right? Like, it's really cool to see. Um, I love the fact that he does don a mask, even though everyone knows who he is. I just I think it's just like, you know, it's it's, it's that's how much he respects Lucha Libre, that's how much he respects AAA, that's how much he respects wrestling, and I just love to see that, right? It's it's sometimes those small details for me that really make me like someone because of how much they respect the sport and appreciate wrestling for what it is. 
No, absolutely. And this guy is full on like white meat baby face, like as as absolute baby face, as pure a baby face as you can be in Triple H. He's uh, he, Triple A, not Triple H. He's not in Triple H. He is in Triple A. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you don't want him in Triple H. Hey, <laughs> Oh boy. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. So yeah, this is uh yeah, this this is a, a babyface act, and I, I hope he stays in AAA and I hope they kind of push him. Dude, that chair shot that he took from, from the parks was disgusting. Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah, that's a little trial by fire here. Welcome back to the wrestling business, Kane. But yeah, so a pretty solid match, all things considered. Kane Velasquez wins with an arm bar clean in the middle of the ring, 15 minutes and 10 seconds. Yep. After the match, Jalisco was uh, on the mic. He was just talking about, you know, how they're going to take over. They're the best, blah, 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 blah. Um, Nueva Generación Dinamita, this trio's team, who is like a legendary team. They come out um, and they jumped Jalisco uh, and Cain Velasquez and everyone. And uh, yeah, everyone just uh, went home after that. All right. So then this <laughs> led us into the main event of the night. And it's crazy to think that this match was originally your mega campeon, Kenny Omega versus Hijo del Vikingo. And this turned into a five-way match. You needed four people to substitute for one Kenny Omega. <laughs> Two things. One, you keep absolutely steamrolling through my ratings, but that's fine, homie. We're, for the previous match, we're going to go three masks out of five. It's a 60% blue demon percentage on that one. Two... I'm actually quite disappointed. Not that this match itself was bad, but you know that Vikingo versus Kenny would have been so much better than this kind of schmozzy five-man yeah. elimination match. No, sorry, not even elimination match. A fatal five-way match. Yeah. And it, I got to admit, this match seemed really rough, uh, rushed, um, which made it rough at times. Um, and it really sucks because Hijo de Vikingo is kind of like the next big thing. He is the um, the Drew McIntyre of the Brock Lesnar of <laughs> Mexican wrestling. Like he is t like seen as the biggest wrestler in the country right now. Um, and I feel like they were really gearing towards a, a crowning moment for him to finally beat El Gringo, which is kind of funny because he's not. El Gringo, Kenny Omega, right? Like this was going to be his crowning achievement, his crowning moment. Unfortunately, Kenny Omega's injured. He can't be there. But at the very least, during Conan's promo earlier in the night, they were able to solidify the fact that when Kenny Omega is back, he's going to be facing the winner of this main event here. Yeah, and it's not exactly what you want, but you'll still get El Hio de Vikingo getting the big win over Kenny Omega. So it's fine. Uh, yeah, Vikingo wins this match and the title by pinning Samurai Del Sol, a.k.a. Kalisto, with a double springboard moonsault, like a young Fabian Eichner in there. 14 minutes and 22 seconds. I still thought this was a very good match. Not great. It was a fi fatal five-way that was a little rushed for time. But, you know, look at these names. Bandito. Bobby Fish, Vikingo, Jay Lethal, and Samurai Del Sol. Obviously, this match was pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, I have a comment to make, but we're gonna talk about the rating, and then I'm gonna when we we're talking about ROH, I'm gonna bring something up because there's one person in this match that makes me go hmm about a lot of things. Oh, all right. Well, fair enough. But yeah, so we're going to rate this one three and a half Santos out of five, Boris. 70% Lucha Mask percentage on this one for the main event of Triple Mania, 
der, not yep. der, dos. Jesus Christ, dude. All right, so, like, overall, I like I said, this match really embodied everything that is AAA, everything that is Mexican wrestling. I had fun with this show, but I can see why some people don't like this style. It's uh, very crazy. It's not really, um, it doesn't follow any formula. Sometimes the rules change on the spot. Sometimes a regular match becomes a ladder match. Sometimes a regular trios match becomes a, a lumberjack and lumberjane match with uh, heel refs and face refs going at it it's just craziness and i live for this shit i don't know why i love this shit I, so i think i get more out of these shows also being a native language speaker you know i i, I don't I, I just watch the show like i would watch a regular wrestling show right so i i think i get more out of stories out of the commentators trying to sell the matches um and 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 hearing spanish commentators sometimes it's just, it's just lovely i just love the Spanish commentary teams. Yeah, a million trillion percent. I can see where you're coming from on that one. It's I'm glad to have your perspective coming from that coming from that uh, point of view. Uh, also, man, you don't really hear that too much on podcasts. So we we, we need you reviewing these AAA shows. Uh, it, it's a treat every time you get to talk about it. And uh, yeah, man, that, that's really dope. I'm uh, I'm more in the camp of well, this feels a little Vince Russo. You know yeah. what I mean? Which is I, ironic I, I totally because Vince get Russo was. But this is. But this is how Mexican Not wrestling sure. has been be since before the Attitude Era. Like, this is what Mexican wrestling has always been. It's honestly been wrestling and a telenovela matched made in heaven. Like, this, it's always been this madness. They've been always story heavy. Uh, you know, this is, this is, for me, again, like I say, what I watch when I grew up. So I know I get more of an enjoyment out of these shows than a lot of other people. But I can totally see where people think this is, you know, 2000s era WCW. And I totally respect and understand that yeah uh well yeah i, I wouldn't call it like that because, uh, just the lack of racism alone means it's better than that but uh yeah. <laughs> sometimes the mexican <laughs> promos are a little interesting fair fair and actually uh ftr is doing a pretty racist gimmick to be fair so hey maybe it's the exact same yeah but at no, least at yeah. least the at least the writer isn't on television telling you that we all have to be racist because americans don't like mexicans that's that's a bridge too far no you have your us. booker calling coming into the ring and chanting viva cuba in the middle of the ring <laughs> and that's conan <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So I guess it is just as bad, Boris. I guess it's just. <laughs> no, nah, it's it's really not. But yeah, no. But I can honestly see kind of like why some people might not let. Them, why not? Why this might not be their shot glass of tequila? No, <laughs> cup of tea. Well put. Well put, All right, buddy. Well let's put. move to the main event. Let's talk some ROH uh, because this weekend it is ROH's final battle as they present final battle on Saturday, December eleventh. And man, oh man, this this company just cannot buy a break. So it was reported last night that Bandito has tested positive for COVID. Bandito, 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 who just wrestled against um, Bobby Fish, Hijo del Quino, Samurai del Sol, and uh, Jay Lethal. So uh, I think uh, some people need to get some tests done. 
Absolutely, man. Yeah, you hate to hear that news for sure. That definitely probably ruins the ROH world title main event. It seemed like Jonathan Gresham was going to win that title in the main event of the final, final battle, maybe. And now who knows? They might vacate the title. I'm very, yeah, I'm very, very sorry and sad for Ring of Honor, who just cannot catch a break in COVID. This uh, this company has some bad juju right now. What, but yeah, I'm, man, what do you think they're going to do? Here's the thing, Matt. I think... I don't. I can't be quoted, and I should have asked someone on this because you know, uh, you know, covering ROH on uh, Slam. Some people, you know, give me some information sometimes, and I, I should have asked, um, but I didn't even think about this right now until we were talking about timing and this being their final show. I believe they've already recorded the final TV before the hiatus begins, and in that TV match, it was supposed to be possibly. Bandito as champion, so and facing EC3, so it was going to either be Bandito or Jonathan Gresham versus EC3. Now, now, I firmly believe that Jonathan Gresham was going to win on Saturday, so they might still be able to do something to get the belt to Jonathan Gresham, but you can't just throw EC3 in there because he will be facing the champion on the final Christmas show. Very interesting. And so you're saying that they have already taped and you believe it to be Gresham versus EC3? Yeah, I, that's that's what I think. Um, no one's told right. me that that's the case, but that's what I think was going to go on. Okay, so what would you do then? How would you put this belt on Gresham on this show? What would you do? I would honestly, I'm looking at the card right now and, and I would do some form of angle where someone you know, where ROH does everything in their power to draw on a legend to come in and say, look, we're going to put on a huge match. This is the main event of our main event. Jonathan Gresham versus insert legend for the belt. And Gresham gets the dub. Awesome. That's a really good plan. God Please let it be Brian Danielson versus Jonathan Gresham. I want to see that match so, so bad. Here's the thing. I don't think it will be him simply because, like I said, Gresham is going to win. And Danielson has a title shot next week. So I don't know in terms of really optics and booking how they're going to do that. Um, you know, I, hey, what's Samoa Joe up to? Is he still injured, quote unquote? <laughs> Oh, man. How about this galaxy brain booking idea? Brian Danielson comes in, wins the Ring of Honor title, loses it to Bandito, or sorry, loses it to Jonathan Gresham in a separate match that they shoot and put on YouTube before the Christmas show. So you get two Brian Danielson matches. Of course, that won't happen, and we're way out in left field now, but that's my hope. That's yeah, my fantasy book. Yeah, but some, something, something's got to happen. Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen. I am so interested to kind of see. Anyways, let's get to the card. ROH World Title Match, Jonathan Gresham, possibly, versus who knows whom. We just threw out a few possibilities. Man, I'm, I'm like, this alone kind of intrigues me also in a really weird, sadistic way. I don't want anything to happen to Pandito, but with him being such an integral part of the show and possibly the last TV taping, uh yeah, it just leaves a big question mark into the world title picture. Who's gonna hold the title? You know when they go on hiatus. So you know we'll, we'll stay tuned, I guess. Uh, ROH Women's World Title Match. You have Willow Nightingale versus Roxy, your champion. 
Yeah, Roxy definitely going to win that match, and rightfully so. She definitely should. She is the young gun. She is the young star. She is the Connor McDavid of this group. Uh, next up, World title world television title championship four corner survival dalton castle your champion versus rhett titus versus the last man silas young versus joe henry i honestly think dalton castle is going to hang on to this championship i think dalton castle is someone who's going to stick to the indies and kind of make his own path his own career um so it kind of makes sense that they would give it to him i can honestly see everyone else being signed somewhere silas young to nwa joe hendry red titus to to aw or mlw or something like that the last real man to nwa we've said it before it makes a lot of sense but it wouldn't shock me if dalton castle is going to lose this title for it to go to silas though i think it's going to be dalton all right roh pure title match a match that i am totally looking forward to brian johnson versus josh number one draft pick woods yeah man and two of the BAM favorites. We both love us some Brian Johnson. Well, we both love some Josh Woods, although I wouldn't have picked him first overall in the draft like you did. You clearly love you some Josh Woods. This one I'm very excited for. Uh, we also have the six-man tag team title ROH, Shane Taylor Promotions of Con Moses and O'Shea Edwards versus The Righteous of Vincent Bateman and Dutch. Yeah, you have the ROH World Tag Team Titles match, which, in, you know, there's a lot to be said about both teams possibly winning as you have the Briscoes going up against the original kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. Who do you think is going to get this one? I think the Briscoes will get it in a feel-good moment. I really do, and I think they'll hold the titles. They'll, they'll wear them around the globe for a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me because you also have a veteran team in Taven and Bennett, but I do think the Briscoes get that feel-good moment on the show. Yeah, I can, I, you can make the same argument for the original kingdom, right? But, you know, right now the original kingdom seems to be uh, in NWA for a few more weeks, at the very least, according to the tapings. And then you have the Briscoes, who seem to, who are your GCW tag team champs. You have the big Hammerstein Ballroom GCW show. You know, from an optics point of view, do you give them the ROH title so that they can hold them in this huge show for GCW and say, look, ROH isn't dead. I think you do, buddy. I think you have to. Uh, next, fight without honor. Kenny King versus Shane Taylor. Not a huge Kenny King guy. I am a huge Shane Taylor guy. So he, this match kind of comes out in the wash. I'm excited. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. And then you get some like some interesting matches and some random matches because you get Brody King, Homicide, and Tony Deppen versus Taylor Russ, Tracy Williams, and Eli Isom. Yeah, that's yeah. Brody King and crew will go over strong. Brody King especially is going to be made to make going to be made to look like a million bucks. He's going to crush those three hoes in this match. We also have a, a six woman tag team match: Chelsea Green and NWA Women's Tag Team Champions, the Hex versus Miranda Alize and the allure of Love and uh, Angelina Love, sorry, and Mandy Leon. Yeah, the very very inter weird matchup because like. All six can be considered heels, but sure, whatever. And then you also have Ray Horace versus Dragon Lee, which I think will be the sleeper match of the night. 
hundred percent. Yeah. They've been feuding basically all year. They had a match on January 15th of this year, way back in January. It's almost been a full year. And that match has, was on my list of the top 121 for a long time. You'll have to listen to the podcast to see if it still lasts on that list. But yeah, man, Dragon Lee and Ray Oris have been tearing it up literally all of 2021 and quite honestly, their entire careers. Yeah. And then on the hour one, which is the pre-show, uh, you have a wild card 10 men tag team match. We don't know who the competitors are going to be there. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be essentially anyone who's not on the main card is going to be in this match. Would have been a spot for Danhausen probably, but uh, alas, he is injured. But yeah, that's that's your ring of honor, your final, final battle. And uh, man, it'll be very interesting to watch that December 11th, Saturday night. Yep. Before we go, Matt, I need to ask you, you know, Math, Mouth and I talked about this yesterday. You can listen to All Elite Weekly, what my fondest ROH moment was. I won't repeat it here, but it involves the Briscoe and 420. Um, what's your <laughs> fondest ROH moment? Uh, also probably going live and being able to experience Shinsuke Nakamura untainted from WWE, the NJPW Shinsuke. I saw him wrestle Roderick Strong in Toronto at War of the Worlds, and that was awesome. Also just like following along with ROH in its infancy, I remember how exciting CM Punk's Summer of Punk was in 2005 when I was kind of first posting online and in forums and looking around and just like trying to find tapes and stuff like ring of honor was just kind of kind of taught us how to be hardcore fans in a way uh our generation you know kind of taught us about downloading and tape trading and and just ring work and the importance of all that stuff so i uh yeah i don't know if i have a specific one if i did i would definitely probably point to seeing shinsuke nakamura live uh thanks to ring of honor yeah, exactly. Thanks to Ring of Honor for everything, honestly. Years, it's given me, like, honestly, almost 20 years of just pure enjoyment. I remember the early days of Ring of Honor, like you said, finding random shows on the internet and waiting forever for them to download or tape trading was the continuation of my ECW tape trading days. Um, but, you know, East, Ring of Honor was around when WWE was the only show, right? So having that alternative was just fantastic. And you had wrestlers that you would never see in WWE because you had your Samoa Joes, you had your CM Punks, you had your American Dragons, you had your Bobby Fish, your Adam Coles, your Mike Bennett's people who you think you would never see in the big show. Um, you know, and, and, and it's funny, all of the names I've named out because these are some of the biggest names in wrestling today who started off in Ring of Honor. You cannot deny the history the, and the impact that Ring of Honor has left us because they surely left us with a dynamite here. And it's just, you know, we'll see them rampaging on because everything yeah. is raw. Well done, buddy. Uh, tip of the cap to you. And yeah, they might not be going away forever. It's more of a smell you later than goodbye. But next week on BAM, we will, we will be a full review of the Ring of Honor final final battle we're also going to give a full match rating little mini review of aew winter is coming because that's going to be the day before that we record bam uh lots of exciting things coming up sorry for the length of this one too we had lots to talk about but we promise we'll keep it under two hours going forward boris we did it buddy we're hanging in there 2021's wrapping up but we're still going strong we're going, we're, we're going Roderick Strong, all right. Before we go Joaquin Wild, he's Matt, I'm Boris, 
Goodbye. Ay, ay, ay.